When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Climbers, what I'm about to say is an immutable law of business. Having a jaw-dropping, phenomenally valuable talent and knowing how to run a business are two entirely different skill sets. Possessing both of these skill sets are mission critical and therefore required to create financial success of any kind. So today, we're going to discuss some fundamental business structure concepts that you'll need to grow your artist business. Welcome to the club! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business, baby, because leverage is what it's about. You don't need anybody's permission. That's actually true. You know, we've been lying about that. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do an episode on this. I've been lying to you guys okay. for as long as we've been having this open. Uh oh. Been lying. To you. you actually do need permission. It's you have to give yourself permission to be the artist. That's where I was gonna but, go with it. But. <laughs> but if you go and you give yourself permission to be artist, you don't need anybody else's permission other than your own. But you do need to prove that you know what you're doing if you want to grow and work with the people that you want to work with. That's why we called it The Climb, C-L-I-M-B, Creating Leverage in the Music Business. That is a backstronym. It's brilliant. From my good friend and my co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter, who's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Yay, Joe Nichols, and more. Got a couple number ones in Southern Gospel on the books. He's got a top 10 in Australia on the books. He's got a couple top 10s, I think, and at least one top 10 in Texas radio on the books. Uh-huh. I mean, he's hit all the markets pretty much when it comes to the the, the, <laughs> the genres that he writes in. I think you're missing CCM. That's it, right? Yeah. And bluegrass. I'm starting to do bluegrass. bluegrass. I want to hit some bluegrass. I got some cuts coming out this year, Lord willing, in bluegrass. So we'll see some stuff in the can. So maybe there you we'll go. remedy that this year. There you, there you go. And so what I love about Brent, though, is he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, how to do business like a pro. And then when you got those two things working, he's going to give you consistent opportunities to get in touch with and create relationships with the pros. That's what it's all about. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. 
And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. Yeah, this all sounds very complicated, but don't worry. Johnny is smart, and he'll explain it. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production singular, no S, and there's no S because there is no other Johnny D. Happy New Year, my brother. You beat me to it. You beat me to it. Happy New Year. So second new episode of the new year. That's right. So uh, do a little bit of little climb classics over the break. And so I hope you enjoy those dear listener because uh, they're worth another listen. So that's why we did that. But yeah, man, it's good to be hitting 2024. Yeah, that's right. Well, hey, today, guys, we are going to dig into a book that I'm betting probably most artists haven't read because it's a business book. Or it's you can say because it's a book. Because <laughs> it's a book. <laughs> it doesn't have pictures. <laughs> That's horrible. That's horrible. I heard Nate Bragazzi. He's a he's a comedian that my family that my wife and I love. He's from Tennessee. So he was talking about you know the books. He's like it's just like and then there are just all these words and there's like page after page of words and they just don't stop and they don't even take a break. They're like put a blank page or two in there. Let me come up for air. <laughs> So many words. I heard. I heard, I heard I, the funniest joke. I heard. Man, this is just. Not, it's not Nate Berg. It's, it's. I don't even know who the friggin' comedian was. It's the funniest thing I heard. I laughed for like five minutes, and every time I think about it, I still laugh. It's super easy. I heard this on the way up to Wisconsin. We were driving up there for the holiday. This guy's like, the whole video starts out right. I saw it on my feed. It starts like this. We replaced the word snake with essential. And then we all started buying the oils again. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just goes into like how brilliant it was because it's like essential. That's the word they chose, which means you got to have it, you know? And everybody's all in the oils again. Like it fell off until we figured it out, like a different way to market it. <laughs> That's funny. so good, dude, right? God bless him. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, yeah, man, the book is called The E-Myth, which E stands for Entrepreneurial Myth. And I'm going to tell you right now that even though this book and looking at the cover and probably the way I'm describing the content to you right now sounds completely unattractive and something that you don't want to touch with the 10 foot pole. It's not a sexy cover. Not the one I read, man. You, I promise every single one of you is going to relate to this so deeply. You're going to be like, Oh my God, this guy's writing about me. Cause guess what? You're an entrepreneur. Uh -huh. You are now an entrepreneur and you have to be good at that to get to where you want to go with your artist career. So that's what we're going to get into today. Before we do that, let's take care of a little business. Yes. We want you to join the Climb community if you haven't already. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Climb community. You have to ask to be let in. We let everybody in unless you look like a bot or a hooker. And I don't mean by like your face. I mean, like if your account is suspect, you don't get in, right? <laughs> right? So if, you know, and if you have a really good reason for an account that looks suspect, you need to like DM me mm -hmm. or hit me up and let me know. I actually had that happen once with some old guy like, hey, this is what happened. I'm a really a songwriter. I really want to be in the community. Yeah. Hey, I'll let you in. But, you know, if it shows like you just opened up your friggin' Facebook account a month ago or two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. 
that's suspect, man. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't look right. Yeah. So, so we protect our community in there. It's all about artists and indie musicians and in industry pros and, and songwriters and everybody just, it's a support system. There's a lot of information in there and you get to ask questions. You get good feedback from people that are trying this, trying that. And it's active. That's what I like about it. I'm super proud of it. You know, mm-hmm. it continues to grow. That's right. And we have, uh, you know, it, it's also, it, it's a big old friggin' refrigerator owned by your peers, right? <laughs> and we want you to put your finger painting up on it in the right place, right? Mom wants it in the right place. So- You know what it is? It's the it's the company fridge at work. That, yeah, it is. It's like, if you leave the milk on the counter, that's not where it goes. It's going to stink up the whole kitchen area. <laughs> but you put it in the fridge and your coworkers are going to be happy. That's right. And it's going to be relevant, Okay. So that's what it is. It's like we have a place for everything, everything in its place. And we want to hear about your gigs. We have a, a post for that, the gig alert on Thursdays. You can post in that gig alert as a comment anytime. But new ones come out on Thursdays. We have the new heights come out on Wednesday. You can post your win as a comment there any day of the week. But find that post and the new one drops on Wednesday. So everything has a place, keeps the feed nice and tight and helpful. That way people can find where the party yeah, is. Yeah, and, and the feed in the group is only for things that are going to be relevant and personal to the entire group, which is not your music, uh-huh. not your content. You don't want to sell anything there. Uh-huh. But man, I, I want to give a shout out to everybody. There's been a bunch of activity in there lately. Like it's starting to ramp up a little bit mm-hmm. where people are starting to post up that's really good. And I'm trying to encourage it as much as I, I know you are too. I see you commenting on that. Yeah. And so I just want to say thank you and keep it up. Like that's the kind of stuff. We want this. This community has always had a vibe, a personality, and it's showing mm-hmm. more when they start to post stuff that they think is relevant in personal, funny, informational. If you have a question, yeah, yeah, the feed is a great place to ask. Ask a question. a question in the feed. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, exactly, absolutely. So let's talk about some wins real quick. Yes. So every Wednesday, like I said, we post new heights because it's a climb, new height. You know, see what we did there. And so just want to share a couple of these. Let's see. Michael R.J. Roth, climber, says a couple of my songs were finalists in the Mid-Atlantic Song Contest. So he put a little screenshot there. So that's awesome, Michael. Good job. He's also a man that's not his first award uh, finalist or win. He's done some other stuff with his lyrics and stuff. He's done really well. Uh, so good job, Michael. Uh, Buddy Lee Daubertine says, a song I wrote with Cedric Israel was cut. I'm like, what? Cut by who? What's going on? Tell me more. I'm going to put that in there right now. Tell me more, buddy. Nice. Tell me more. All right. So good job, Buddy and Cedric. Uh, and to everybody else, we don't have time to do all of them, but congratulations, y'all. Keep on climbing. Love it. Good deal, guys. All right. Make sure you follow the podcast on whatever platform you are using to consume your podcast and most importantly tell a friend about it Uh we've had a lot of climbers that have been with us for a long time they continue to listen they continue to do that for one reason and one reason only they're getting something out of it and if you're getting something out of this tell another musician tell another songwriter tell another artist say hey man check maybe cherry pick an episode for him send him a link hey check this out i think you'll dig this you might find you might find this beneficial, you know, and help us help them. Yeah. If you're a label listening, if you're a label listening to this one, definitely send this to your artist. They need to know this. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a publisher listening to this and you have an artist that you're grooming as one of your staff writers, you want to level them up, definitely send this to them. This will be helpful. So, uh, yeah, you're there you welcome. go, guys. So, so let's get into it. Let us yell at them the same things you want to yell at them. <laughs> That's right. So, 
the E myth is a, and this is by the way, the revised too. That's the one I'm reading as well. Yeah, that's one I read. Well, years ago, it's probably been revised since then. Michael, is it Gerber? Garber? Yeah, Michael Michael Gerber. Yeah, Gerber. Say, I remember. I think I'm going to make a little series out of this because I think there's just some really good actionable stuff that you can begin to think about. That here's the thing: not that you can begin to think about that you will at one point have to think about. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and this could be a great resource for you. So you can find it pretty inexpensively, guys, if you become excited enough to maybe want to purchase the book and read it. Mm-hmm. But look, you're an artist. That's a fact. That's why you're listening to this podcast. You know, the bad news is that if you aspire to make a living being an artist, whether you're aware of it or not, whether you believe it or not, and whether you like it or not, you're going to have to be a business person as well as an artist, to succeed. Amen. Whatever success means to you, whatever that means to you. If you're the guy that's like, hey, I just want to be able to pay my mortgage, feed my family, put my kids through college and take a vacation, God bless. Mm-hmm. If you're like, I want to dominate the world and make everybody go Taylor who, then God bless you too. Yeah. Like whatever it means to you in today's music industry, you're you are not going to be plucked from obscurity by this machine that sees your potential and they're going to turn you and shine you up and turn you into a diamond and, and make you a household name. You're going to have to be a business person to even get on the radar screen of those people that can take you to the next level. And I personally really like that part about the new music business, the new music business, because then now you have at least a modicum of understanding of how the game is played and you can take a little bit more ownership of the decisions that are being made and you know when to say yes and you know when to say no yep. and you don't so much have your hat in your hand. That's right. You know, you, you, you're coming into these relationships with these people that you would cut off your right arm to work with. Yeah. With not with your hat in your hand, but you know, with a track record, which is why you're there mm-hmm. and you got a, a little bit more authority and a little bit more confidence and, so I like that part of it, you know? So that's that's the bad news. The good news is you don't necessarily have to wear all the hats, but you must take ownership of your artist's business by realizing all the hats have to be worn mm-hmm. by somebody. Yep. Okay? And maybe you're strong over here and weak over there. The successful business person will find someone who is strong where they're weak. Right? I mean, we just in a songwriting room, we talk about that. Hey, this guy's strong on lyrics and this girl's yeah. like brilliant melodies. What happens when we put them together? What? Right. Yeah. Or in the studio. Yeah. This guy's a killer bass player, but he's not a good triangle player. So we're going to get a triangle player for that. I'm going to get a bass player for that. Good point. Right. Yeah. Same thing. It's all business. It's all, we don't expect to do everything. I mean, it's great if you're Prince, you can play everything on the record, like a phenom. God bless you. Most of us aren't. Yeah. And you know, that's a really good point because I think what you just mentioned would be very, very, I think the way every listener of the podcast would hear that and be like, well, duh, of course. Like, they get that. They can completely understand that. Well, that same line of thinking is true for the players that have to be present and be good mm-hmm. and be able to deliver for your business. Because it's your, your business is a separate thing. It's like, maybe that's a thing to think about that we can do another episode on, but like, 
putting together your band, but it's your business band. Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're we're gonna get into uh, like we're gonna get into the awareness part of it in this episode, and then I want to get you thinking about it, and I want to get you to get some awareness on about what role you're playing in your own business. Okay. This is really gonna be interesting, I think, and uh-huh. I can't wait to hear some of the feedback we're going to get from this. Cause I think a lot of people are going to begin to have some epiphanies like, wow. Okay. Yeah. This makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's going to get you excited because you're like, Oh, here's another thing I can turn the screws on and get better yeah, and make it happen. So, you know, the amateur wannabe says, or, you know, more aptly complains like, Oh, I suck at that. So that's why I'm not more successful or oh, I don't get social media, all that digital mumbo jumbo. It's too complicated. So yeah. we're just going to spend money making recordings and upload them to Spotify and see what happens. You know, that's a, it's a business model based on hope. That's a dopamine hit. <laughs> it's hopamine. It's a hopamine, hopamine. hit. <laughs> You're addicted to hopamine. <laughs> Cause it's like, it feels good to write a song, to record a song, you get the dopamine hit and you hope that's enough just to do the stuff that you give you the dopamine. It's hopamine. Trademark. Brent Baxter. 2020. You got it. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. <laughs> Writing that down. <laughs> so the first part of this is, is something that I've really, really, really come to know is true from my time that I spent in the corporate world. Okay. Your business is a direct reflection of who you are. Oh boy. Okay. And you're an artist. And if you're trying to make money or if you're making money, you're also a business, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're lazy, your team will be lazy. <laughs> yeah. If you're greedy, your team will be greedy too. They're going to work less and ask for more. Mm-hmm. If your thinking is sloppy, your business will be sloppy. If you're disorganized, your business will be disorganized, right? So if your business is to change, it must change continuously to thrive. Mm -hmm. Then you must change first. Mm -hmm. You're the head of the snake. (laughs) That's right. Good snake or bad snake, you're the head of the snake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And this is like really, really true because it really is the the head of the business that drives the culture Mm -hmm. in companies. You know, those companies that are shady have shady CEOs. Yeah. Those companies that are wholesome that you really like have amazingly wholesome CEOs that are really interested in helping other people. Yeah. If you're unwilling to change, y'all, if you're unwilling to change, your business will never be capable of giving you what you want. And I just think that statement there is pretty simple, Yeah. easy to understand, and I don't think that anybody can disagree with it. It's kind of the thing of keep doing what you're doing. You keep getting what you're getting. Yeah, exactly. It's it's funny. You said that. uh, I was listening to this amazing, you know, I listen to the Bob Lessitz podcast all Mm -hmm. the time. And there's an amazing episode with, he interviews Tony, David Bowie's producer. I'm forgetting his name right now. But he's talking about, he had some, just some, oh, Tony Visconti. David Bowie's main producer. He worked with a lot of producers, but he had some great, Great stories, man. David Bowie stories. It was such a great interview. Yeah. And one of them was so funny. And it was a a song that it, it, it turned out to be like the name of a song. And I'm trying to remember what the name of the song was. It was something like Crash in the Same Car. Mm-hmm. Something along that line. And it, the story was was uh <laughs> was Bowie. For a while, Bowie lived in, in Germany and used to keep his car 
in Germany, like he lives in this apartment in Germany. He keeps keep his car in the car park, which is like three floors down. And he, his eyes are jacked up, right? Like he got a fork in the eye or something like that, which is why he's got two different colored eyes. Uh -huh. And he can't see that well in the dark. Okay. So he would take his, every time he would take his car out of the car park, he'd end up hitting another car. Like, oh gosh. <laughs> Like a little fender bender with a car, and it kept happening over and over. And finally, he's like, "Good lord!" He just started parking it on the street. Yeah. And the joke became like, you know, I keep crashing the same car, and the whole thing was a metaphor for what you just said, which is uh, the definition of crazy is doing the same thing and expecting different results. That was different result. Yeah. That was funny, man. You made me. You just made me think of that, which is really hysterical. But yeah, it's it's. Um, I wish, gosh, I wish you could remember the name of the of that song. But anyway. Um, so your business is a direct reflection of who you are. You have to change first. The first change that needs to take place, y'all, is your idea of what a business really is and what it takes to make one work, okay? Hmm. You're an entrepreneur. Yes. And here's what they call in the e-myth the fatal assumption, and it's capitalized, right? Hmm. Every time it's capitalized, the fatal assumption. The fatal is. It's that fatal. What's that? It's because it's that fatal. Because it's that fatal. Yeah. It's that fatal. Right. The fatal assumption of almost all entrepreneurs is this if you understand the technical work of a business, you understand a business that does that technical work. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're really good at being a musician, the fatal assumption is that you understand the music business. <laughs> right. <laughs> when you say it like that. Yeah. See? And this goes for, you know, most businesses are started because somebody has this like amazing technical skill. They're a coder. Mm -hmm. They're, how about a doctor, right? You go for 12 years to school to be a doctor and you become this amazing doctor. Maybe you're a world-renowned neurosurgeon mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with whether or not you know how to run a business of neurosurgery. Right. Right. Yeah. Are you ready to open a practice? It's a very different thing. I know in the book, and it's been years since I've read it, but it's really impacted me. But they talk, I think, about like the bakery and this lady knows how to make pies. Mm -hmm. She's really, yeah, really good at yeah, making pies. Yeah. But that does not mean you are ready to open a bakery. It's a very different That's thing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and because all of a sudden, you know, well, we're going to we're going to get into that real quick here for mm -hmm. sure. So that's the fatal assumption, you know. You become a doctor, a lawyer, you become really, really good at doing that. But to assume that you understand the business of being a doctor, a lawyer is the fatal assumption. Mm -hmm. If you're a killer musician, singer, songwriter, artist, you understand the technical work of being an artist. To assume that you're superbly qualified to run a business that does that kind of work, that like a record label, right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. it's just not true, right? It doesn't mean you can't, it's just doesn't mean that you have the skill set because you know how to be a hit songwriter or how to be a great singer or an artist mm -hmm. or a musician that you just automatically understand how to run a business that would facilitate that, right? Yeah. So for those of you who are disgusted by the success of marginally talented artists, mm -hmm. right? Guess what? They understand the business of being an artist far better than their significantly more talented colleagues like you. Mm -hmm. Let that sink in, right? right? So I think part of the disgust comes from we feel like it should be merit-based on talent. Yeah. Your success as an artist, 
Guess what? The music business is not a talent contest. No, it's a it's business. It's like uh, what 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 is it in uh, the Tom Cruise movie, The Sales Guy? These uh, are about Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Yeah, this is show business, not show friends. Right? It's business. Exactly. It's business. Yeah. So there's your proof positive that if you want to be successful as an artist. The business of being an artist is more important to success than the technical capabilities of being an artist. Mm -hmm. So if you have superior technical capabilities of being an artist, then all you got to do, and this, by the way, I think a lot of becoming a, an epic artist is work ethic and learning in a journey, but I also think there's a certain modicum of you're born with it. You know what I mean? Whether it's a talent or whether it's that itch that you got to scratch or both. Yeah. But you can absolutely be better at business if you just think about it and put some time into it and understand it to be as important to your goal as it is. Mm -hmm. So it becomes this dynamic, the job, you know how to do so well, becomes a job you know how to do, plus a dozen others that you don't know how to do at all. <laughs> right, yeah. That's what being an entrepreneur is all about, guys. <laughs> I'm going to say that one more time. The job you know how to do so well becomes a job you know how to do, plus a dozen other jobs that you don't know how to do at all. Amen. Okay? And this is extremely frustrating. And what worries me, and I see this so much because this is probably the most underserved part of artist success that I see in the indie world, right? The professionals figure this out. Mm -hmm. Not that I shouldn't say the professionals, but the label, the labels, they know how to do this, right? They know how to run the business first, the art second. Mm -hmm. But in the indie artist world where you got to do this on yourself, like everybody has different levels of, of business acumen and they don't address it. And the more they don't address it, the more frustrated they get. And that leads to anxiety, depression, or doubt mm -hmm. generated from the failure of the jobs that you don't know how to do at all, Yeah, which spills over into making you question the one thing that you know how to do really well. Right. Think about that, right? In other words, like, I'm really great at my live show. I'm a good singer. I'm a good whatever performer. But then people aren't showing up to my shows, and I think it's because I suck. No, because you suck at marketing. Maybe they yeah. just don't know about your show. Exactly. And therefore, you start doubting your ability on stage, but that's – no, it's not that. Or no one's streaming my song. Well, because nobody's heard it. Nobody's heard it. Nobody knows it's there. It has nothing to do with the quality of your music. Yeah. Right. Yep. So for the sake of uh, this episode, for this podcast, let's refer to an artist as a technician because I want to keep – the terminology consistent with what's in the book, the e-myth, okay? Mm -hmm. And the term applies. So when you get into business, y'all, you're actually three people in one. You're the technician, you're the entrepreneur, and you're the manager. Mm -hmm. Those three people exist. You're all of those things. Each of these personalities wants to be the boss, and none of them wants to have a boss. <laughs> okay. And that's where the conflict begins, the, the, the turmoil, right? So let's break them down a little bit because I think you're, you're going to begin so, to, um, okay. to resonate with this. You want to say something? Go ahead. Oh, no, that was it. I was like, what, what are these things? Yeah. So you're there. So start with the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur is the dreamer, the visionary, right? This is the person that turns a trivial condition into an amazing opportunity. Hmm. The entrepreneur is the creator, the grand strategist, the innovator, 
the person who works in the least pragmatic way, right? Dream with me here. What if we had the drum set turn upside down on stage? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's the entrepreneur, right? The more vision that is put forth, the more work it creates for the manager yeah. and the technician, right? Like, All right. Okay, that's a great idea. Let's have the drums turn upside down, right? I'm thinking Tommy Lee from Motley Crue here. Now, the manager has to come up with the budget and uh, figure out like how to implement it. And the technician has to build it. Right? Call insurance. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah. the manager, here's the breakdown of the manager. Without the manager, there would be no planning, no order and no predictability. Mm -hmm. Okay. The manager is the pragmatist. If the entrepreneur lives in the future, the manager lives in the past. The entrepreneur craves control. The manager craves order. The entrepreneur thrives on change. The manager compulsively clings to the status quo. When we say that, what part of your personality do you think is like resistant to social media? That would be the... I'd like to speak to your manager. Manager? Yes. Yeah, that would be the manager, right? The entrepreneur invariably sees the opportunity in events. The manager sees the problems, you know, just like you mentioned before, Brent, what about the insurance? Like, <laughs> yeah. what's that going to cost? You know? Yeah. It's hard enough just having Tommy Lee on the stage. That's expensive enough. Yeah. Now he's going to be upside down. And now we're going to turn him upside down. Yeah. And then, and then right. on the third tour, he was upside down and over the audience. Like, that's a whole different insurance policy, right? Like <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to have one harness for him, one for his drumstick one for his other thing he's known for just so it doesn't get in his eyes and he can't see and drum. <laughs> yes and also uh, another policy to make sure if that thing comes <laughs> off the rails that the people it kills are taken care of exactly you know? yeah so the manager creates neat orderly rows of things the entrepreneur creates things for the manager to put into rows right <laughs> yeah it's the tension between these two personalities that creates amazing art all right this me and my wife my wife is the entrepreneur when it comes to decorating our house she's like this room has been the same for too long we need to change it and i'm the manager that goes but it was fine <laughs> and that's not going to work over there i have the tape measure in my head i can tell that's not going to fit she's like we'll make it <laughs> just move stuff around let's find something you're cute honey let's go we're gonna go we're gonna go shopping yeah no it's pretty it made sense before well sometimes different is better than better let's go <laughs> that's right that's right so next is the technician. Mm -hmm. The technician is the doer, right? If you want to do it right, do it yourself. It's the technician's credo. The technician loves to tinker. Mm -hmm. As long as the technician is working, he's happy, but it's only one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. Two things can't be done simultaneously. Only a fool would try to do that, right? Mm -hmm. The technician is happiest when he's in control of the workflow. To a technician, thinking, quote unquote, is unproductive unless you're thinking about the work that needs to be done. Uh, a technician isn't interested in ideas. He's interested in how to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. The technician, that's the that's the that's a, there's pragmatism in there, too. Right. Let's make the drum set go upside down. Yeah, for sure. How's that going to work? You know, like we're going to need uh, hydraulics. Yeah. We're going to need to bolt down the. You know, what happens when the symbols go side? How do you keep them from right. going wonky? Well, you know, because they're kind of free flowing. There. Right. 
The technician knows that if it weren't for him, the world would be a worse place because nothing would get done because everyone would be sitting around thinking about doing it, right? (laughs) Or why they can't do it in the case of the manager. Or why they can't do it, yeah. And overthinking it and getting nothing done, right? right? They're going to be paralyzation through analyzation. Yeah. Analysis paralysis. Analysis paralysis. That's right. That's right. The uh, entrepreneur dreams, the manager frets, the technician ruminates, contemplates, ponders, right? Mm-hmm. If the technician didn't do it, it wouldn't get done. The entrepreneur is always creating new and interesting work for the technician to get done, which would seem to foretell or point towards a symbiotic relationship, but it rarely, rarely works out that way, right? So right now, I just want you to think about like which, in a perfect world, you guys, you would have a perfect balance between all three of those personalities. Mm -hmm. But I don't think anybody really does. So I'm just wondering right now, I just want you to think to yourself, which one of those are you resonating with the most, right? Which one of those is really hitting home when you talk about that? So So it's kind of like the dreamer in the case of an artist might be like, I picture myself at Madison, Madison Square Garden. The show sold out. Man, I can see it all. Let's go. Let's figure. Let's let's go to let's play Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And the manager's like, I got I got to go to my waitering job here in a minute. You know, I got to pay for the bill. I don't even have a car to get me there or whatever. Or going, okay, you got to have all this stuff happen. Here's why it can't happen. The technician is like, I don't want to do any of that stuff. Or I just want to go sit in my room and play. Yeah, or I could spend another four hours just rehearsing, playing my guitar. Rehearsing. Yeah. Exactly. I just want to go sit and play guitar. Yeah. Or I'm yeah. going to remix this song for the 20th time. Yeah. Because it's just not perfect. You know, I think about when I was in the electronics industry. Or, oh, I was going to say, or the dreamer's like, I want to play Madison Square Garden. And the manager's like, we're going to need a record label. And so here's who we need to work on our social media stuff. And we need to go reach out to these people. And they're the people that can make it happen. And the technician's like, I just want to sit in my room and play guitar, play pretty chords, right? Exactly, exactly. That means I got to do this, 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 and this. Like, I, like, that's a lot more work to do, right? Right. And the technician is like, I just want to go jam on the stage tonight. I can't wait to do my thing. Yes. That's the dopamine hit I want now. There it is. All right. there, that's, a, yeah. that's exactly right. That's a great way to, to put it, you know? Okay. I'm thinking about, like, when I was in the electronics industry, and I, I remember seeing, like, I went into just tons of, like, big, huge Fortune 500 companies, you know, Hewlett Packard and Sony and Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And you go, and there's one thing that was always true because I, I would get to talk a lot of times with, sometimes with the sales guys, but I had a lot of interaction with the engineers. The engineers are the technicians, mm-hmm. you know? And if they let the technicians run the business, they would never release one product ever, right? Because <laughs> it wouldn't be perfect, right? And right. if they let the sales guys run the business, the freaking business would fall because nothing would work. You know, they're like, oh, just get it out now. I need my commission. Let's go. Yeah. And we'll, we'll figure out how to fix it later. You know, we'll figure out how to support that later. So it's just the difference between the two is hysterical. And you have to re- you have to see that this is what's inside of you and you have to be able to recognize yeah. it. And you got to know who's talking in your inner voice, right? Yeah. So... Most entrepreneurial ideas don't work in the real world. The technician's usual experience is one of frustration and annoyance at being interrupted in the course of doing what needs to be done to try something new that probably doesn't need to be done at all. <laughs> right? yeah. So where an entrepreneur is like, 
okay, this is a journey. We're going to figure out 2,000 ways not to make a light bulb because then we're going to get on the 2,001st try. We're going to figure out how to make the light bulb. We're going to make this big dent in the universe. And the technician's like, that means I'm going to be working 2,000 different failures. No, right? Like, <laughs> no. That's a big no, a big fat no for me. So right. the manager is also a problem to the technician because he's determined to impose order on the technician's work mm -hmm. to reduce him to a part of, quote unquote, the system, right? Like yeah. <laughs> the system. How, now, who's, who's resonating with that? <laughs> Being a rugged individualist, the technician can't stand being treated that way. To the technician, the system is dehumanizing, cold, antiseptic, and impersonal. It violates his individuality. I think when I read that line, Brent, I thought of Steve Leslie. Mm. And I thought of Steve Leslie saying, there's freedom in structure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because I think, I, like... My that was last week's episode, if y'all want to listen to that one, it was great. Yeah, like, I, I think, like, when I was a technician, when I was doing the, the artist thing, I, you know, as an artist, I was just always just so interested in being free and just letting it organically come to me that I was, like, opposed to the structure and to the rules. Mm -hmm. But if I would have been a little less opposed to that, or as I became less opposed to that, I should say, all of a sudden, I started writing better songs, you know? Yeah. And it became, it, there really was freedom in there. So work is what a person does. And this is the technician talking. And to the degree that it's not, work becomes something foreign. To the manager, however, work is a system of results in which the technician is but a, a cog in the wheel, a component part, right? To the manager, then, the technician becomes a problem to be managed. To the technician, the manager becomes a meddler to be avoided, right? Hmm. To both of them, the entrepreneur is the only one that got into trouble in the first place, right? Because they're... <laughs> <laughs> it's your idea. Yeah, we're coming up like, who's, whose idea was it to do this? So the fact of the matter is that we all have an entrepreneur, manager, and technician inside of us. Mm -hmm. And again, if they're equally balanced, we'd be describing an incredibly competent individual. The entrepreneur would be free to forge ahead on new areas of interest. The manager would be solidifying the base of operations. And the technician would be doing the technical work. Each would derive satisfaction from the work that he does best, serving the whole in the most productive way. Unfortunately, our experience shows us that Few people who go into business are blessed with such a balance, and instead, the typical small business owner, a.k.a. you, the typical artist, is only 10% entrepreneur, 20% manager, and 70% technician. Mm. So the entrepreneur wakes up with the vision. The manager screams, oh, no. And while the two of them are battling it out, the technician seizes the opportunity to go into business for himself, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not to pursue the entrepreneurial dream, however, but to finally wrest control from his work, you know, get that control back of his work from the other two. Mm -hmm. To the technician, it's a dream come true. The boss is dead, but the business is a disaster. Yeah. I'm going to say that again, but to the business, it's a disaster because the wrong person is at the helm. The technician is in charge. So that's what I wanted to cover today. I want you guys to think about like who you are in those descriptions. You're typically probably going to be mostly technician, right? Mm -hmm. I think 
when I think of somebody who's maybe 70% entrepreneur, those are usually like the posers, right? Those are just the people with zero talent, zero understanding how anything works, and they just want to be a star kind of a thing. Yeah. I really think that most people listening here are going to be like technicians. Mm -hmm. And when you understand who those three things are, I want you to really put some thought into that. Okay. Then in the next episode, I'm going to break down just some action items on things you can do to try to balance those out. Now, sometimes you have to learn how to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for to, what do you call it when you give a job to somebody else? Like, yeah, I mean, you can outsource it. You can outsource some of this stuff, outsource right? You can hire it, it out. another word you I was thinking of, like franchise it, but that comes up later, probably in the book. But you know, the technician is always like, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And that is like a huge, huge, huge one of the big, big delegate. Delegate. Delegate is order. Thank you. You have to delegate, <laughs> right? And delegating is yeah. hard for a technician. And since most of us are seventy percent technicians. We're like, oh, in the time it takes me to teach you how to do this, mm -hmm. I can just do it myself. Well, in the right here and now, that equation is certainly true. Yeah. But then if I teach you how to do this and I put some time and effort into training you and you really get good at it pretty soon, I don't have to think about it anymore. And you'll be doing it better anyway because you'll have less going on. Be and somebody problem. else is doing it. Right. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I know for me, numbers, accounting, just hand me a gun. And shoot me in the head. Yeah. Like I, some people, my accountant finds numbers to be fascinating. Yes. God bless him. Loves numbers. God bless him. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. My father does my books for my company. You know what I mean? I don't want to balance the damn checkbook. Yeah. I can't. I won't, you know, and I'll screw it up. Yeah. So I, I pay these people to do these things for me because it's their highest and best use to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do two things if I try to do it. I'm going to do it poorly because I hate it mm -hmm. doing that part. And number two, I'm taking away time from my highest and best use, right? So this is some of the stuff, uh, just foreshadowing of, of what we're going to get into mm -hmm. here coming up, guys. But these things are important. You have to know this. This is the structure. Like you have a structure of a song. Like you have a structure of a chord. Mm -hmm. Like you, there's a structure in a lick. This is your song this is the business it too has a structure and you have to know who needs to be on the session yeah. who's the right leader for that specific session and the more you can be aware of this and internalize it the better business person you're going to be and the higher you're going to climb that's all i got to say about that love it can't wait for this yeah so um hey guys i just had a, another great conversation today with like ray hamilton just talking about Traffic, whoever owns the traffic rules the road. It just yeah. every day becomes increasingly more and more poignant and couldn't be any truer. Like I can't, every time I don't think it can get any truer, here's another thing that comes down the pike. Yeah, It's everything that you need to focus on, like how to create that traffic. And once you create it, everything comes to you and you're in the driver's seat, which is where you want to be. The biggest thing in your way from doing that is you keep thinking in the way that you've been marketed to. You are deconstructing, you're reverse engineering the way that you were marketed to and how you got turned on to music to begin with. Mm -hmm. The problem is that's not what's working anymore. Yeah. So learning how the digital platform works is it's a different animal and you really have to understand how it's consumed. So I've got a great free download for you. It's called Whoever Owns the Traffic Rules the Road. Just go to giftfromjohnny.com, J-O-H-N-N-Y giftfromjohnny.com. 
It's a free download. It's all yours. It's pretty stout. I think it's maybe 30 pages. And there's just a lot of information on there that explains, you know, what broadcast was, why broadcast worked, and why it's not working. And then when you carry over the fundamentals from that into digital, and then you see how digital's consumed, why it works, and why it's not working for you, you're going to start to understand that you're not asking the right questions. And then when you have a clear understanding of those two platforms, you'll start to ask the right questions. And I promise you, your subconscious will reward you. So giftfromjohnny.com, guys. Make sure that you join the climb community. Tell a friend about it. Follow the podcast. We'll see you next week. This podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.